As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Okay, I got to admit, I am uh, I'm nervous about leading the podcast with this. Not because I fear that it's unpopular, although it, it may be. Not because I am insecure in my opinion, because I'm not. Because I'm, I'm nervous that I'm going to say the wrong thing. Not because I don't believe it, but because I'm ignorant. I am ignorant to the history of minorities in our society. I'm ignorant to how it feels to be anything other than white. And I'm beginning to realize that that ignorance has been a choice. Maybe not a conscious decision, but a choice nonetheless. And I want to do better. I want to be better. I want to live in a better country. And in order to get there, I don't think that we can afford to avoid these conversations. The goal of our little show here has never been and will never will be to provide answers, right? It's to ask better questions. Our mission is to provide perspective from multiple angles and insight to challenge you to form your own opinions. And typically we do that on issues that seem to matter in sportsman drag racing, right? Occasionally we broaden our scope to subjects that really do matter, like the current situation here in America, protests, looting, police brutality, racism. I, I wanna, sh just two, episodes just keep resonating in my mind. Several years ago, uh, I went to one of the first, um, or, or one of the early SFG races, when those guys were still in the process of, of figuring this out, right? Figuring out their place as promoters. And they had a huge crowd. 
and I think that they would tell you today that they were overwhelmed, right? It, it, and, and the race didn't go particularly smoothly. It, like it wasn't particularly well run. There was a lot of, you know, unrest in, in the pits in general. And I just vividly remember um, standing in the staging lanes, talking with another racer about, you know, just kind of how I was disappointed in the way that the event had been run. And he looked at me and said, yeah, it's almost as if there's two effing N-words running the show. And when I heard that, I, I, I recoiled, right? But I didn't, I didn't say anything. Like I, I, I didn't, I was very uncomfortable and I had no idea how to react. And all that I could offer was a very awkward chuckle. And I turned around and, and walked away. I was at a, at, at dinner with a group of racers on another occasion and our waitress was a black woman and she was having a bad night, right? Like, or I think a couple of orders were wrong, whatever the case may be. But the way that our group treated this woman, the way that our group talked about this woman after she left the table, it was, to be honest, appalling. And I didn't do anything about it. I ate my dinner, I was very uncomfortable, but unwilling to, to stand up. So in those two situations, like I could lean back and say, I didn't participate in that quote unquote racism. So it's easy for me to say, hey, I'm not a racist, like I'm around some racism perhaps, but by not stopping it, by not saying anything, I was complicit. And I'm not proud of that. Now, with that said, I don't, I don't harbor guilt for that necessarily. And, I, and believe it or not, I don't judge the people who said the things that they said because there's a level of conditioning involved. I know that that's a buzzword, but the conditioning that makes us think on some level that this is acceptable. And that's the whole point of the protests that we're seeing, that this conditioning, the systemic institutionalized inequality, racism, is what needs to change. And if the goal of the protest is to make people like me take a step back and see the bias that infiltrates our own life, that often we don't even realize is even there, because we're so accustomed, again, so conditioned to it, then at least speaking for myself, the protests have hit their mark. Okay, I can sit here and say, hey, I'm, I'm not a racist. And I, I zoom out on that a little bit and look at my life. My inner circle is almost all white. I look around the racetrack at the thing that we love doing and I'm surrounded by probably 95% people that look like me, okay? So I can sit here and say, I'm not a racist, but I can't sit here and say that I'm not sheltered. Like I live in a predominantly white area. Now, do I, I just happen to be part of a white family in a white area? Or do I live here because it's a predominantly white area? Like I didn't consciously say, oh, hey, here's a bunch of white people. This looks like a nice place to live. But 
did I make that decision subconsciously? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I'm passionate about our sport, obviously, a sport that's probably 95% white. Is that simply a coincidence? Like most of the people who love what I love look like me? Or am I drawn to it? Like perhaps subconsciously because most of the people involved look like me. Is there some unspoken comfort or lack of discomfort in that? These are the questions that I've been asking myself over the course of the last what, week and a half. I haven't asked myself these questions literally for the first time in my life. And I think that alone to some level, like that defines white privilege. I'm 39 years old and I've never had to think about the role that race plays in my life. I never took the initiative to. So I, I just, I feel like when they say white privilege, like I personify that. I don't know what it's like to live in fear. I don't know what it's like to be a victim of implicit systemic conditioned hate. I don't know what it's like to be pushed to my breaking point. It seems apparent to me now more than ever that the next step for equality, it doesn't rest on the shoulders of blacks or browns or minorities. It falls on us, white America. I say us because I know that 90 plus percent of our listeners are white. I've been conditioned to accept hate as a way of life, not to question it. And I don't think that that was a conscious decision. It's just been the way that things are presented. In order to transcend those beliefs, to change, to improve, to do my small part to create a better world for my children, for their children, that's what's going to require conscious decision on my part. It's not enough for me to be passive. I want to be a man who, who speaks up, who's not only not racist, but also not complicit. I want to be the man who's not only not racist, but anti-racist. I want to be less exclusive, actively inclusive. And while this stuff is really difficult to talk about, I know that talking about it isn't enough. Like I need to live it. But before I could live it, I've got to open my mind. I've got to think about it. I've got to talk about it. A better world starts with me and it starts with you. And I think the first step is asking ourselves some of these difficult questions. I'll, I'll close this little monologue with, with a, an excerpt from a, a poem. Um, Ryan Holiday actually shared this earlier today and it just spoke to me, so I wanted to share it here. Um, the poem is called First They Came by uh, Martin Niemöller. I may be butchering that name, um, but it goes like this. First, they came for the socialist and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I didn't speak out because I was not a Jew. 
Then they came from me and there was no one left to speak for me. All right, guys, we got two big weekends coming up for IHRA Sportsman Spectacular. First up is Saturday, June the 6th at Mocan Dragway in Asbury, Missouri. And then next weekend, June the 13th and 14th at Dragway 42 in West Salem, Ohio. The Sportsman Spectacular events offer a little something for everyone. Be sure to tune in later in the show for complete details on both awesome events. Today's episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is brought to you in part by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. Open enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite begins on Friday, May 29th, and stretches through the following Saturday, June the 6th. If you have been considering joining This Is Bracket Racing Elite, now's the time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. All right. Welcome back or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss Ken Schrader and Stephanie Austin Nass. Big Jed, how are you? Luke, uh, really, really well. Um, you know, it's uh, it's racing season finally for, for most everyone. I, I think uh, there's some small pockets where racing still isn't allowed or accepted, but for the most part, I think most of our listeners that that have uh, on track uh, activities are are getting to do that in some shape, form, or fashion. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, we've got a show full of race talk and uh, some fun and and we're actually going to get to talk about some results from big time big buck bracket racing so starting to feel kind of normal for me feeling really good month away from the wfc life is good yeah so your pre-entry deadline passed look like uh you guys are on a a excellent trajectory for another great wfc so that's cool and and to your point that i I agree. I, I, if racing is not back in your area, it feels like there is at the very least optimism that racing will be back very soon, even here um, in the in the state of Illinois, which I've kind of bemoaned for several episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to be at the at the tail end of the, the progression. Um, even things are beginning to open up here. I got to ride down the racetrack last weekend in the Vega Resurrection. Oh. It was just a test session, but uh, it was it felt good to be back. I bet. So, all right, Jed, as you had mentioned, we actually get to lead with some discussion of an actual event that really happened. It's been a while. <laughs> it has been a while. <laughs> a, uh, I guess a handful of big dollar bracket races are, are officially in the books for 2020, um, but certainly the biggest of the last weekend and perhaps the biggest on the calendar thus far, uh, the SFG event in Cedar Falls, Iowa last weekend. And Jed, it is a time in our sport 
of parity. It is really, really difficult to win, much less win repeatedly at the highest levels or not. <laughs> no, we, we did see some familiar faces in the winner's circle. There were three names at, uh, at Cedar Falls that definitely did their best to debunk that theory. Yeah, I mean, as you say, I mean, literally, Luke, it seems like 95% of the racers in the pits are capable of winning the race. So while I don't think that limits the great racers' chances down to a very small opportunity, I still say it limits their opportunities. Yet we we are seeing, especially this year and, and late last year, we're seeing these same names showing up in the winner's circle on these big stages. I don't know. I mean, I know they're great racers, but what's up? Is it like magic or some kind of spell they're casting on their opponent? <laughs> I don't understand it. Because... I guess this is this is cyclic because uh, there was a time when, I guess, like when, when Scotty and Peter were dominating and then a time when, what, I guess, it would be LaPouche Jr. and Gary Williams were dominating. And I remember the old heads saying, that's just not positive. How can you how can you dominate like that in this day and age, as tough as it is? And the takeaway from this for me, Jed, is I'm becoming one of the old heads. <laughs> I don't think it's any different. Hunter Patton, Matt Dadis, Nick Hastings are, are doing what the greats of, of years past have, have done and, and seemingly made look easy. And there were people at the time that said, man, how on earth is that even possible? And now I find myself being one of the guys that I used to laugh at saying, wow, how is that possible? Because it feels like it's tougher than ever. And yet, uh, obviously, the cream rises to the top. Yeah, but this day and time, you run into that run. You just you just do. You run into the run that you just couldn't beat because it was a stupid good run in the other lane. And these guys are – I'm not saying they're not running into them. They're beating them. They're beating I was about to say, good by and large, these are the guys making those runs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're – you know, the they guy throws the, you know, 11 dead one or the nine dead two on them, and, and they beat it. And that, you know, you know, if you continue to, to get past those runs that you're going to, your average is better than everybody else's average when you're great and things are rolling. So you're going to continue to turn on wind lights and, and by and large, these three with some others, of course, sure. are, are doing that on a very consistent basis on the biggest stage. I mean, the SFG uh, 350, I think is what they called it there at Cedar Falls. I think it was supposed to be 175 doors 175 dragsters if i remember correctly but um that's a big stage especially for where we're at right now uh you know fifty thousand dollar to win races multiple races twenty five thousand dollar win was the small race um so that is a big event still today and you know these guys are are showing up from different parts of the country and and continuing to dominate on that scene it's it's very impressive it's it, it ain't quite it ain't quite skinny, Kenny impressive uh, 2018 yet, but it is very impressive nonetheless. Yeah, no, I mean, it's early. It, I mean, it's June, so I guess it's difficult to say that it's early in the season, but for this specific season, it seems very early in the season. Uh, I, would, I guess Hunter Patton's got a ways to go to match what Kenny put up two years ago, but if we're just going off of uh, – round records to date percentages 
he's got to be up there. Uh, Hunter had lit the world on fire to start the year, and, and obviously a, an awkward and, and shortened season, but he had won a $50,000 purse down in Belrose. Uh, he had won a day at the Windmill Nationals in Ardmore. He had won or runnered up at least a day at, at uh, I think, what is his home track down there at Pine Valley. Um, basically, everywhere that he'd been, right, scoring. Yeah, and then, wherever uh, he went. That continues in the Cedar Falls on day one, uh, the 25 grander that you had mentioned, Nick Hastings, Nasty Nick, gets the win over Hunter Patton. And then Hunter just keeps it rolling. Day two, the first 50 grander provides a rematch of last year's um, Fall Fling 500K final with the same result, Hunter Patton getting the win over Matt Addis. So Hunter goes back-to-back finals to just keep stacking on what has been this unbelievable season to date. And that would obviously be the story nine times out of 10 if it wasn't for Matt Dattis coming back the very next day and following that $50,000 runner up with a $50,000 victory. Yeah. Uh, just super in, impressive. Yeah. I mean, Matt was our, our vote last year for the, the 2019 uh, driver of the year. Uh, I guess that, yeah, I think it's hard to, to dispute if we had to choose that right now for 2020, it would be Hunter Patton. But in one weekend, Matt's, in the conversation once again yeah already these guys off to a hot start and uh you know sfg i know sfg had uh, like a single day deal at darlington uh with really good attendance um i'm pretty sure the race at cedar falls was full so they're off to a good start as well along with that group of racers so you know starting to starting to feel kind of normal and and feel good to, to be able to talk about some big buck bracket racing and um, pretty soon as we'll talk about soon we'll get to talk about some nhra sportsman racing to go with it luke so yeah i guess the the rest of our discussion today needs to center around some some news not necessarily on track results um although there will be plenty more uh, it seems apparent at this point on track results for us to dissect almost immediately we, we talked on a, on a previous episode we are now what a week and a half removed from what across the board would have to be considered the, the biggest weekend of sports of, of big dollar bracket racing that's actually happened thus far on the schedule. It's uh, next weekend. There's a couple of, uh, or I'm sorry, there's an IHRA Sportsman Spectacular that we mentioned in the, in the pre-roll up at Dragway 42. On the bigger money stage, we've got Spring Fling a lot, or you'll be, correct? Yes, I will. We've got um, the... 50k derby at louisville that uh, tyler bohannon's putting on uh where i may well end up being and then a fifty thousand dollar race that uh, cp promotions cody college is putting on down at the texas motorplex so you've got three mega dollar events spread out into different areas of the country as i said a couple weeks ago that's really the weekend that i'll feel like all right we're back and, and i look forward to talking about that yeah that'd be a lot of a lot of racing to talk about then and uh uh, I'm sure we'll hear some familiar names, but we'll, we will definitely welcome some new names to the 2021 or circle. So that'll be fun as well. Yeah. I mean, well, just by the sheer logistics of there being three yeah. different races in three different locations, Hunter and Matt can't win all of them. Yeah. And if they're not there, either one of them, whichever one's not there, I'm going to use their name on my tech card. Just Ooh, good call. Just to take a shot at it and see what happens. <laughs> I could be Hunter Patton or Matt Dattis at Galat. 
<laughs> earlier this week, uh, the NHRA released their national event schedule. Um, I don't think any of it really came as a huge surprise. A lot of it had been leaked or at least speculated upon. Um, there's no Sonoma and there are no, there's no race at Chicago on the schedule. Um, while that, well, I think both of those are disappointing. I, I also think that both were predictable um, given the legislation in those two states and how soon those races needed to come up on the schedule. Um, as kind of anticipated and speculated, it's essentially racing every weekend from um, national event competition every weekend from the beginning of August through mid-November. I believe it actually falls as 15 races in 16 weeks. What I had heard rumblings of, but um, really honestly hadn't heard rumblings of in a month or more, and I had, had just assumed was kind of off the table, was that NHRA will open with back-to-back -back events at Indianapolis, uh, at Lucas Oil Dragway, um, pro-only events, as I understand it. Um, basically, uh, my understanding is limited spectators, um, and this is, a, this is a TV deal. I believe um, with the success of what NASCAR has done or what Fox has done with NASCAR, Fox has really pushed for this and made it economically feasible for NHRA to host these events as almost a, a television only type deal. Um, and it just, it, it continues to be fascinating and, and we've beat this to death on the show, but this can happen because of the county that Lucas Oil Dragway is in. Meanwhile, literally, what, 10, maybe 15 miles away, the, the Brickyard 400 cannot happen because of the county that Indianapolis Motor Speedway is in. So the just the bizarre nature of this pandemic and the legislation surrounding it continues. But uh, for NHRA's sake, good news that, uh, that that can happen in Indy. And that means that Lucas Oil Dragway will, or Lucas Oil Raceway, I apologize, will this season host three marquee national events. These two sort of made for TV productions in addition, of course, to the U.S. Nationals. Yeah, and they, they're changing the structure of the, you know, how many days they're at the track and all that too, Luke, and um, 15 races in 16 weeks and that kind of racing, that's going to be brutal for some of these teams to try to keep up. So it, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to me to see how it impacts car counts um, and, you know, just it seems odd in the pro ranks for people to have to skip races because of parts failure because they seemingly have an endless amount of them but there will be some some less funded teams that that have some challenges in making 15 races in 16 weeks so, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out it will it'll be interesting on a lot of levels because while <clears throat> for the first time in a long time it i'll admit it feels great to have some clarity, some definition to, to have uh, dates and events to write into the calendar, right? I, I think that that gives us all a little bit of, of peace of mind, I guess, going forward, right? And a little bit of, uh, of, of rigidity. But at least from the sportsman standpoint, there are still a lot of questions yet to be answered. I'm curious to see what this looks like, as you had mentioned, 
every event is going to be condensed uh, the way that I understand it. Most sportsmen will get to make runs exclusively on Friday and then fit in wherever um, as part of the weekend program. I'm curious to see, and, and this applies certainly to Indy because if my understanding is that it's now condensed to a four-day race without class eliminations and stock and super stock, which I welcome as a non-class racer, but that is a huge part of the allure of Indy, right? So it'll be interesting to see oh, yeah. what stock and super stock looks like there without that. Um, and it, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what the the quotas are for each of these events. Like I would assume if we're going to condense everything into three days or really for sportsmen, two-ish days, um, I would assume that it's not going to be huge entry quotas. Like I don't think you're going to accept 80 cars in each class or maybe not even 60 cars in each class. I don't know that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see the dynamic that that brings in and and just what competition feels like at, at that level. It's it's definitely going to be different. Um, and Indy itself is going to be, I think, has the makings to be really, really special. The, the Jags All-Stars moved to Indy, which is which is cool, right? I mean, the Jags All-Stars is, is an unbelievable um, atmosphere to begin with, right? And now you move it to the mecca of racing at the biggest event of the year. For those guys that and girls that are involved in the Jex All-Stars this year, let's let's assume you're coming to that from Division 7 or Division 5 or you get the opportunity. You've probably never been to the U.S. Nationals. And let's say it's your first time in the All-Stars. You get to check off two bucket list items in one trip. And the Super Street runs at the All-Stars at Indy. So as a result, they've added Super Street to the U.S. Nationals. It's, uh, I believe, the only time in history that Super Street's been contested at Indy. It may be the only time going forward that Super Street's contested at Indy. So I know that that class is super excited. I don't know how many will get in. You know, I mean, it may just be 30 cars for all I know uh, running for a Super Street Wally at Indy, but that's exciting. And, and just the whole dynamics of, of that event in particular, I'm, I'm excited and yet also kind of fascinated to see how it all shakes down because Indy is like a whole bunch of stuff to fit into a little pile in six days. And I know we're cutting some of it out, but we're also adding classes to, to condense it into four days. I'm interested to see what that schedule looks like and how many people are actually on the premises. Um, yeah, it's typically 10 pounds of crap in a five pound bag for that's, sure. So, that's the phrase I was looking for. Yes. Um, so, you know, while they may be taken away out of that 10, a little bit out of that 10 pounds, there's still going to be more than it can uh, seemingly handle. But, uh, you know, I mean, they make it work every year. So no doubt in my mind, they'll get it right here too. Well, they they do make it work every year. Like last year was probably the, it, I guess it worked. It was very odd. <laughs> they could have done a better job last year. So now I feel like the impetus is really on them to, uh, to make this all happen. And the, on, on a sportsman level, again, the, the Lucas Oil series really gets started in earnest um, this weekend. In fact, you, you may be listening to this show on your way to, or perhaps even on your way home from um, one of the uh, NHRA Lucas Oil series events this weekend in either Tulsa or Atlanta. Um, it'll be great to see racing back on track at that level. It'll also, I, I got been fascinating, fascinated just keeping up with 
what the stipulations and requirements are at each event. I'm, I'm curious to hear from racers as to how different it feels, if at all, from years past competing at that level now. Because you know, obviously our, our world is, has changed. It feels like we're easing back to some sense of normalcy, but I don't, I don't know how long or if we'll get back there. So like I say, it's just, uh, it's interesting. That it is. Other big news from the week. Um, and I, I guess this didn't come as a surprise because this had been leaked uh, maybe late last week, early this week, but it, it became official. Um, Summit Raceway Park, uh, Norwalk, Ohio, announced uh, that they're not opening in, 2000, in 2020. Year-long closure. We'll, we'll try again in 2021. And <clears throat> I don't, uh, it, it, to the and racing community, this is a complete 180 because if you remember, uh, Bill Bader Jr. came, you know, famously came on Facebook, what now, probably six weeks ago, and said, you know, essentially, by God, we're opening. And uh, we're, not, we're not asking for permission, we're opening. And um, quickly recanted that statement, basically, like walked that back uh, relatively quickly. And now um, that facility won't, won't open in 2020. And I have said for years, Jed, and I'll stand by it, that if, if say you purchase a, a racetrack or your job is to run a racetrack, it should be a requirement. It should be absolutely mandatory that you go to Norwalk and spend a week or two there and just see how they do things because that's the business model. Like I, I've, I've always felt that it is the best run, best managed racetrack in the country. There's always something going on that is generating revenue. Like it's just, it's a really s smartly run business that happens to be a racetrack. So this comes out and I'll be honest, like I, I don't, I don't understand. And that's probably rooted more so in, in my ignorance than saying that Bill Bader Jr. is making a, an off-base decision. Far be it from me to question the decision-making of Bill Bader Jr. But in the release that, that he put out for you know an explanation, I guess, of, of not opening the doors in 2020, what he referenced was that essentially they've already lost the majority of their uh, high revenue events. And the number that he threw out was that they're down 83% of their revenue, no matter what, it cannot be regained. And again, like I, I don't have the business savvy of, of Bill Bader Jr. So there is, I'm sure something that I'm missing, but just simple math in my head, isn't 17% better than 0%? Like why not open and, and do what you can? And I, I'll admit too, I'm, I'm ignorant to the, the legislation in Ohio. I don't know <clears throat> what the quote unquote rules are there or what the forecast seems to be. And perhaps it's that there's essentially no hope of, of having spectators this season. And I think that the Bader business model is largely built around that spectator income. So if that's the case, um, you know, perhaps that's an explanation, but when there are other facilities nearby in the state of Ohio that are up and racing right now, right? Uh, even you know, bracket competition for the most part, I assume no spectator competition, at least for now. Um, but when that's going on around you and the premier facility in the state is closed, I think it's hard to argue that it's a, it's a bad look. So I guess my takeaway, and again, 
kind of rooted in ignorance because I, I haven't really had the time to dig into this or understand exactly where this decision comes from. I'm just, I'm confused. But again, I, I have so much respect for Bill Bader and his family that I guess I just assume he's making the right call. It, it just seems bizarre because it's such a 180 from what he publicly said, you know, not long ago. Yeah, I just, you know, we were talking off air and, and he had the entire world ready to to bust down the wall and go racing. And I mean, I even had guys from my state and we're many hundreds of miles away from Norwalk or, or close to a thousand saying, you know, if he opens, I'm going. And he, he, was, his speech was so repeat, inspiring. Can you repeat the quote that you, you used yeah, off there? Yeah, he, yeah. he had... He had people ready to walk through hell with gasoline underwear on yes all right and that's that's you've got to be inspired to do that <laughs> and people were inspired uh, we all were i'm not just people and you know i was i was fired up i was like hell yeah you, you tell them bill and so i definitely don't understand the decision to to remain closed for the entire year especially that decision being made basically uh halfway through the season not even halfway through the season um seems like they could end the year pretty strong i mean they're norwalk it's like you open and and people are magnetized to the place it seems to me from the outside looking in it's slam full every time they open and and there was still a lot of season left and and some of their iconic events left on the schedule that it's like to me it'd be like i gotta have the i, you know, I gotta have the halloween classic and, and all of those things so uh, like you said, I respect Bill Bader. There's no doubt if he's not the best in the game, uh, he is so close to it, you can't tell the difference. So I have to assume that he knows best. However, that don't make me wish that, that I had seen a different decision made. Um, it's, it is tough to understand. Um, you know, I hate it for the, the racers that are so fortunate to call Norwalk their home track and, and, they get to go in that beautiful place week in, week out and, and compete. And, you know, not that there's not uh, great facilities all around there that they'll get to attend that there is, but, you know, nothing beats Norwalk, especially for those of us who haven't lived it. You know, I, I've got so much respect for it because of what I've heard and you just never hear anything bad out of there. It's all wonderful. So hopefully this was the right decision uh, and it ends up, you know, going as they plan for it to go in 2021, they come out with bang it. I'm sure you saw his announcement that, you know, this was, they were closing, this was happening for 2020, but 2021, they're going to make a comeback like no one's ever seen. So um, looking forward to seeing what that produces for the racers next year. But, you know, I hate these, uh, these four to five months that, uh, that they're not going to get to have that facility open for them. But, you know, on a personal side, um, you know, like racing around me is wide open. Um, you know, I, so I feel like it would have been the same there. Ohio's a hotbed. So I feel like it, it could have been great for them, but you know, I guess we're fortunate. I've received quite a few entries from Ohio, probably more than we've ever had for the WFC pre-entries. You know, we've got a record number of them, Luke. Uh, racers coming from as far. You guys made some news this week. This thing is blown up. I mean, you've got the most prestigious, and I know I, I always say this, and, and you 
you cringe at it to some extent, but you do. You get the most prestigious, I would say, bottom bulb, certainly footbreak only event in the country. It is the the U.S. Nationals of that type of racing. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting given the times. Um, this appears to be your biggest event to date. Yeah, it's the most pre-entries we've ever had. Uh, there's 295 of those. Um, you know, as I told Steve last night, we, we've had good races, good, good weekend races that didn't have that many after we got there and got you double entries and all those things happening that didn't have that many on race day. And here we are with that on a on a pre-entry still a month ahead of the the event happening so very excited obviously um and as i hear as i talk to these people from ohio and places and we've actually got racers come as far as washington state and arizona that's going to do the whole wfc and junior thing afterwards and which i think is pretty awesome um as i'm hearing from those racers they're so hungry so hungry to just compete at it's something special and a special place like Bristol at a, a special event, which, you know, I appreciate the kind words from and the racers have made this what it is. You know, if they don't show up, it's just a, just another foot rate race, but uh, they have shown up well. So, you know, that's why I feel like Norwalk could have just blew it out or, or I guess blown it out uh, was better said, but, you know, so that's, that makes that decision so much harder for me as I'm talking to so many racers and hearing how fired up they are to get out there and compete. Um, so, you know, again, I hate it for the, the Norwalk racers and the people that call that place home, but uh, with the respect that, that I have and I know you have for Bill Bader, um, I would just sit back and say, can't wait to see what he's got up his sleeve because I feel like 2021 is going to, come out crazy good for the people there and and i think they're going to in a sense make up for whatever pain they've caused the racers in 2020 yeah i i'm inclined to agree and i guess close the the norwalk chapter on that note because i agree it, it's it's disappointing and um and i and i think it's difficult to wrap your head around but if there is a silver lining if Bill Bader Jr. says that 2021 is going to be epic, buckle up, Buttercup. Like, it's <laughs> it's going to be good, right? Um, all right, Jed, let's let's switch gears one more time. Um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that uh, during these times, and obviously there is uh, there's plenty of negative to, to harp on. If you want to harp on negative and and open the show with uh, a. a a monologue on you know just what's been a maybe the the most uh disturbing the saddest week in what's been a sad year right so it's been uh it's been difficult to find at times the uh the humor the the fun and the joy and uh, so we've been trying to to at least take a little bit of time each episode to bring this back and uh we've gotten really positive uh response from you uh, about our top five segments. So we've, we've come up with another top five for this week. And, and this is, this is more up Jed's alley than mine, right? We, we got some good stuff here. The best race car names in basically we'll say history, right? Our favorite race car names ever. And let's, let's, let's be frank and upfront here, Jed, the stipulations for this are 
that not only does this have to be the name that the race car goes by, this name must be emblazoned on the side of the race car, correct? Yes, yes, yes. It has to be on the car or that's just a name you call it. It's not the race car's name. It's like wearing a shirt with your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the okay. only way it counts. <laughs> that's the only way it counts. Okay. I love it. Um, speaking of that, like, do you, I, I know you have multiple, uh, you know, whether it's track or series championship, like jackets that say Jared Pennington on them. What you uh, I do. They're they're in a closet upstairs. Yes, mine are in the, mine are in the attic. Like you can It's there's something that just recoils against. Like I cannot wear a shirt with my name on it. Right. <laughs> uh, well, you know no you got me feeling bad. You do. Oh, oh, go go ahead, Jen. <laughs> you got me feeling bad because I just wore yesterday my. Uh, Jack Summer Door Car shootout shirt that's got my car and my name on it. Oh, see, that's different. Like, I wear the, I've still got the Spring Fling okay. shirt with my car on it. That, yeah, that, that doesn't make me as uncomfortable, but like the name right across the breast, like, oh, okay. look at me. I won something. I, I just, oh, yeah, no, I can't do that. I, I struggle with that. Yeah. yeah. No offense to the people that, that, that wear those with pride. Um, and I don't think anybody cares who the foot brake champion was in 1995 at last <laughs> Mountain. I could bust it out. <laughs> High school track champion, 1998. <laughs> It's the choice way, baby. I've got the jacket because I feel bad getting rid of it. Like, what the hell do you do with yes, that? Yes, no, you right? can't get rid of it, but yeah. you can't wear it either. It's, so, yeah. it's quite the conundrum. <laughs> the conundrum. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Nailed that. That was <laughs> so, a great word. I'm even like 80% sure that that's used in the proper context. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it was perfect. And uh, <laughs> I, I can feel shout out to conundrums coming uh, later. Uh, <laughs> called it. All right. So <laughs> best race car names. Let's go five to one. Um, lead us off, Jed. Okay. Just number five or, or just break it all the way down. Yeah, let's just let's go back and forth. So you do number okay. five. Number five for me, and, and and racing is definitely this. So it was just an appropriate name, but this was an iconic car in my area uh, for since the '80s, and and still is recognized when it makes its way to the track on the rare occasion that happens. But bad habit, uh, Bill Hysaw's bad habit '69 Camaro is, uh, you know. It, it it epitomizes what racing really is, and it is a bad habit. All right, all right, bad habit. I like it. We're Was epitomizes used perfectly there? You are crushing it. Come on, fire. Listeners, get out your thesaurus. Jed is in the house. Yeah, and get out a book with words in it that tells you what they mean, too, <laughs> while, you're, while you're getting that thesaurus up. <laughs> okay, so number five for Jed is Bad Habit. What what was the gentleman's name that owned the Bad Habit? Bill Hysaw. Bill Hysaw. Okay, so yeah, you could go a, a bunch of different directions with this. I'm I'm literally looking at a sheet of paper where I scribbled down probably 25 different names, and you could go with the the obvious, you know, like the the nationally recognized King Kong or Loose Caboose or. Uh, David Rampey's old high times, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't go that route. I, I went with some personal favorites that are probably probably going to be pretty obscure unless you grew up where I did at the time that I did. I don't know. Some of them are probably a little bit more nationally recognized, uh, but some of them are just from like Texas Raceway back in the day. So my number five. <clears throat> okay. I should, 
I should remember this guy's name. I know this guy's name. I know this guy. I cannot think of the driver's name, but there was a Camaro out of Minnesota, blue Camaro that down the side. And I mean like hundred font agitator, the agitator. And that if you weren't careful, the agitator would agitate the hell out of you. Cause that dude won quite a bit <laughs> in like a little tire, slow 660 Camaro. Like I, I've seen him win uh, days at 10 tuck. He's been deep on the, the winter series. And when he gets out of the car, like nicest guy in the world, but he's like the agitator. He's like the guy that's always just kind of up in the middle of everything. It was a perfect fit. So I apologize for not remembering the name because if I knew you, we would strike. If, if I saw you, we would strike up a conversation, but the agitator sticks out to me. Agitator. Yeah, that, that would be a, I like that one. That would yeah. be a good name. That's it was always car. when he would do well, it was, I can hear Troy Williams Jr. In my ear going the agitators agitating the hell out of him. <laughs> Before I moved to number four, it just popped in my head. There was a yellow Chevelle at, uh, at Vegas that everybody knew that runs like super gas or super street. And they were calling oh, me. The, yeah. 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 Like a Malibu style Chevelle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They <laughs> were, they were calling him by the nickname and i can't remember what it was oh i'm completely drawing a blank on it too oh, it's driving me crazy. i can picture the fella yeah man everybody loved him but anyway my we'll come up four. with that by the end of the show that that i that yeah gotta find that, that my, was number a tease. Four. <laughs> my number four is uh, just i don't know it's just so fitting because he's an electrician by trade and and had his own elect electrical company and won a lot so it, it was a you know a nice '69 Camaro, but Randy Larson's wire nut. I mean, it said wire nut on the side of it, and it's like, why would a guy call his car wire nut? So you had to know the backstory that he's an electrician, and you know they they use wire nuts. I know you know that, but it was just like that has nothing to do with racing, but it's such a perfect name for a race car that is owned by an electrician. So I had to phenomenal. go with wire nut. Yeah, I loved it. I loved That's, wire nut. Is Randy still racing? I haven't seen him in years. Randy does not race. Okay. Okay. Does well, that'll explain why. Okay. Quite a shame. Yeah. Um, okay. So my number four, like I said, I've got this listed out. I'm literally doing this on the fly. Okay. I'll go. This one's probably pretty obvious. It, it, it might be on your list. This is definitely the most nationally recognized car and name on my list and as a car and name that we have discussed before on this podcast uh near and dear to your heart i'm sure as a longtime aficionado of the b&m series bad news travels fast mr woodrow oh man great one and you still see that car out there same paint job yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> it's not been painted. And as as legend has it, sat under an, an oak tree for years, and uh, and then got you know somewhat cleaned up, and is back. <laughs> Bad news is traveling fast once again. Yep, that was an iconic race car and and driver. Yeah, that was a great one. And uh, he, we had him in other top five, so that was that was top five actual race cars and now his nickname gets in there too or their car name gets in there too that's even good that's even more gooder we're bringing back Woodrow Brackett baby I totally messed up conundrum and epitomizes by saying more gooder didn't I uh, I did I just no that just cemented it that's, that's that put us <laughs> over the top Jed. 
All right. Next up for me, number three, uh, my cousin Ricky and I went to Jackson, Tennessee in the mid-90s to the big $5,000 foot brake races David Netherton used to have. Um, and that was, um, you know, it was unheard of then. It was He was the only guy that would do something like that. And there was this like half S10, half dune buggy, like maybe sometimes doubled as a like a mud race truck and half or you couldn't be three halves but it was half all that a like square tube dragster type thing with the engine all in the back of it and stuff and it was called the wild thing not the wild thing yes yes and if you're in jackson tennessee there was probably you know there was nobody that was going to say that thing is wild it was man that thing's wild (laughs) <laughs> so it was appropriately named. It was, it was perfectly named. It was the wild thing. And it was, it was the ugliest, most scariest thing you ever seen. Uh, but it was named perfectly as the wild thing. Uh, the wild thing. You got to get the vowels straight. Wild yeah, thing. yeah, you got to get okay. that right. Um, all right. This one goes back to my youth. A gentleman by the name of Johnny Claridge had a left steer roadster black beautiful car um and the name on the side of it was just so fitting I mean, basically you, he should have just stood up on the cage and said come get you some because the name on the side was brief encounter like this won't brief take long. encounter this won't take long you can go on be a brief encounter. <laughs> this, this is gonna get to you in a hurry i always like that one yeah okay i like that Okay, so the gentleman's name that you were looking for earlier is Charlie Wagner. And again, I can picture Charlie. I'm not coming up. I'm, I'm looking for photos. I'm searching right now. I'm not coming up with the name on the side of the car. Well, I'm texting someone right now to try to get it. So I think I'll, I think I'll have that shortly. But. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's go to, what are we Next, at? Number, we both did number three. Number two. Number two. Next up for me is, is a family car. Um, this is, uh, this is in the day when my father and my uncle raced stockers and, you know, stockers wasn't, uh, $150,000 Camaros and Mustangs in the sixties. It was basically whatever you had, you made a stalker out of it. And they just about run out of letters in the alphabet to figure out what class it ran in. But this was probably a, a Q stock or something way back when. It was a 66 Biscayne. And it just sat in the yard. It sat in the yard all the time, Luke. It didn't, it had, didn't have a garage to sit in. It didn't have a carport. It just, just sat right out there in the yard in the rain, in the sun. And when it was time to take it racing, it went racing. Just like a good yard dog would do. This 66 Biscayne was called the yard dog. It had a little picture of a dog just kind of sitting there looking at you like a, oh, like a basset hound type dog. <laughs> it was awesome. And I'm still looking for a picture. I'm looking for a picture of the yard dog to get Mark to put it on the, on the website with uh, with this post or whatever. But um, Absolutely. I have we, to show the yard dog. We need a picture of the yard dog. Okay, so I have the answer to the riddle, Jed. Okay. Charlie Wagoner's Malibu. The Shake City. Experience. Shake City, baby. I could, I, Jackie was saying it over and over and over, <laughs> and he was saying it, and I'm like, it's 
city is something city. I didn't want to give it. I didn't want to give you the chance to say it. I wanted to figure it out and say it, but it was Shake City, baby. Oh, that was it. Shake Golly, City, I, baby. It was like a super gas or super street car, dude. Lazy, like sixty two hundred. Like when the trees coming down, it's still sixty two hundred. It was. I loved it. It would, you know, it did the whole jump right or jump left, like like those cars do. <laughs> it was awesome. Shake City, baby. For what, for whatever reason, I was telling my wife this story like last night. So back in the day, I mean, this is probably 12, 15 years ago, maybe more. Our buddy Bones had a, a new dragster and, and Bones was trying to rotate the earth. I mean, this is 15 years ago and I, I think he was going like 440s, which is was ridiculous then, right? But he couldn't get this thing figured out. Like it would make two decent runs and then it would just try to break his neck shaking the tires right and he changed everything tires suspension i mean just everything you could throw at it for probably a month straight and he's completely at his wits end so we're at memphis one day and it shakes and he comes back and he's got it jacked up and he's got it in a thousand pieces and it's hot and he's not happy and our other another mutual friend of ours big jed lucas bendall standing there beer in hand and just out of nowhere just starts like these standing up convulsions and bones looks up at him and say a word a couple of minutes go by bend all one more time again nothing said five minutes later oh man bones finally like throws down his wrench and looks at him and goes what the hell are you doing and Lucas, just as only Lucas Bendall could do, looks at him and says, man, I don't know what it is about this car, but it just makes me shake. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture Bendall doing that. <laughs> as you might imagine, it, it didn't go over very well, but it was funny. So you, you stole my thunder by getting Shake City because um, <laughs> I was texting Kyle and, and like, man, I got to know this. and Shake City. So then I tell him Shake City got it before he responds, and he comes back with the the car burned down at the Vegas um, LO or Lucas Oil race, uh, battery charger issue burned down in the pits. Like, oh wow, I didn't know that. How terrible is that? I feel bad. I don't know for, when. Yeah, I, I feel bad for having fun with Shake City. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, it was definitely uh, unplanned. We we didn't know that, so hopefully nobody gets offended. Hate to hear that, but it was. It's uh, definitely an iconic uh, car name. Yes, absolutely. So you're, you're talking about the Yard Dog, Jed. It got me thinking about another iconic vehicle that, that didn't make my list but probably should have. And I'm going to, again, plead ignorance here because I should know this gentleman's name. It is literally an, an iconic car, and I should know more of the story behind it. I think this thing is a Ford Escort. Perhaps it's a Tempo? It's a front wheel drive stock eliminator car in like, I don't know, W front stock automatic. You need the whole damn alphabet to figure out his class, right? <laughs> and it's called the underdog. Oh man. Yes. I mean, yeah. he's there. It Love was a those. few years ago. He went like four or five rounds at Indy. And he is at the, the epitome of an yeah, underdog. underdog. Like he's down 16 <laughs> yes. something in stock eliminator and he keeps winning. Right. So yeah, that's uh, that one's a classic. That that should have made the list. Uh, yeah. So I love all cars named Underdog. Absolutely. So number two on my list is a is one that that several 
listeners, if, if you're going into the Wayback Machine, and let's be honest, if you're getting, if, you, if you're old enough to remember when names were emblazoned on the side of race cars, you, you, you're kind of dating yourself, right? Jeff Cheney, back in the day, had a very inconspicuous dragster. And Jeff Cheney, Jeff Cheney could hop in something now and, and hurt your feelings. Back in the yeah. day, Jeff Cheney, Jeff Cheney was a monster, like one of the absolute best bracket, super comp, super guy, whatever racers in the country out of, out of Minnesota of all places, right? But Jeff's inconspicuous white dragster on the side said incognito. Like, I'm just going to sneak in here when nobody's looking <laughs> and I'm going to take all your money. And that's what he did over and over again. It was the perfect name for a, a humble, low-key guy and again, a, a, a a humble looking inconspicuous race car that I watched win a lot of money in my youth. Yes, definitely a guy that, that hurt a lot of feelings in his heyday and, and still possesses a lot of talent. Just don't know how often he gets to the track anymore, but I know that the Cheneys are a talented group. Incognito is interesting too, because everybody knew who he was. Oh, <laughs> by the by the time by the time that he peeled incognito off the side of that race car, there was no sense in incognito being on the side of that race car. You're absolutely <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the reins here. We're coming to number one. Your list top to bottom has been far superior to mine. And I don't want to steal your thunder. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go I'm gonna share my number one because I just trust that you've got a, a home run waiting, right? Grand slam. My number okay. one and we're going back to that same time. If I'm not mistaken, uh, this was what a, one of Woodrow Brackett's running mates in that day. So not only was bad news traveling fast, bad news was traveling with company. And this sticks out to me uh, based on a feature that I read in Bracket Racing USA and fell in love with. I think I had it pinned on my wall for years as a kid. It was Rusty Greer's Raceaholic. Oh, Yes, I remember that car. Racing had more freaking electronics in like 1988 than you could buy today. It was like he was launching a space shuttle. <laughs> uh, reminds me of Woody's car. <laughs> probably similar, actually. Yeah. Except that they probably ran different gas. You know what I mean? Raceaholic. Yeah. Raceaholic. That's, uh, you know, that should be a number one name. That's my number one. For a car name. My number one has got kind of a, a funny little play on words because it goes to the drag strip. And the other thing about my number one is it is, it's getting raced today by a very talented bottom bulb racer in Vancouver, British Columbia area. And this car made its way from Vancouver to Memphis for the world finals a handful of years ago. And when they were done there, he heard about this race they call the Million down in Montgomery, Alabama. So I figured, and we've already driven across the entire freaking country. Why not go five more hours (laughs) to this race and go try it, go run the Sunday. So Andy Klosky showed up. Uh, in Montgomery, Alabama with his, I'm going to say it's a 60, it's a 64, 65 uh, Malibu called the Strip Teaser. You get it, Luke? They take it to the drag strip and then it's like 
a teaser, like a strip teaser, but like, you know, you do strip tease where people take their clothes off. Well, this is a race car going down a drag strip and it's called the strip teaser. I appreciate the, the explanation, Jed. I didn't yeah, ever... just in case you didn't <laughs> know. Put that together, yeah. <laughs> but the strip teaser is a car that's racing today. <laughs> that's the so best part. You're right. That's the best part is because we don't, and shame on us. Good for you, Andy Klosky. Shame on us because I named my car. My car's Big Red. Everybody knows I call the Nova Big Red. Yet, I'm not willing to put it on the car. I'm not man enough to put it on the car. So that's just the name I call it. That's not my car's name. Andy's car is named the Strip Teaser because he's man enough to put it on there and race it in 2020. Therefore, he goes to the number one spot, hands down. Even beat the Yard Dog. And the Yard Dog, you know how much of a homer I am, Luke? I should be named Homer. (laughs) That's how bad I am. And I put it over the Yard Dog. So good rightfully so I, I'll even as much as I love Rusty Greer and the Raceaholic, I will concede Stripteaser is number one. No question. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. So Andy Klosky, you're number one. Great job. And uh, I love the strip teaser and you might even get your picture posted on the internet or something for this, but we definitely I'm gonna get that stupid yard dog picture. I'm gonna find it. You're gonna find the yard dog. We're Jed gonna is get on it. a mission. Y'all are gonna see this four door sixty six biscayne maybe been a 65 i don't know but it was really big we found we found shake city jed is gonna find the yard dog (laughs) i see that you've got some some (laughs) some fantastic honorable mentions here i've got a couple that i i don't know i won't even call them honorable mentions i wasn't sure that they qualified i know one does not one of my favorite race car nicknames and we've discussed this before on the show is Eric and Chad Sandlin's Love Machine. But the yeah. Love Machine is not on the Love Machine anywhere. And if it was, there is no doubt in my mind that that would make my top five. Luke, I am not here to correct you. Uh-oh. Because I'm not in that business. But okay. I am oh. 83%, 100% certain. <laughs> That that where it says love like like the kind of truck it is on the quarter yes. on the fender yes i'm pretty sure it says machine and spelled underneath. like we like you say it machine. just like it love oh. okay sorry the agitator ain't agitating the hell out of nobody the love machine is now in my top five <laughs> make it official i love that one. lock machine. it in the love machine. All right. So I'm glad that we got that settled. And then the other one that probably is deserving Jed, of being in my top five, I just wasn't able to place it to the point that I thought I might've been making it up. And it just dawned on me. I, I think, you know, the car and the people that owned it, but it seems like there was a car in the past that was called and labeled the Saturday night hooker. I feel, I feel like I've seen that on a car. Is it, it's not on Bill Hooker's car, is it? No. Okay. I, I, I was thinking you would jump on this. I, I've got it in my mind. I may be completely wrong. I've got it in my mind that this was a, an Archer family car back in the day. Oh, oh, wow. That was, seemed like that was on the, like a Chevy 2 wagon or That's something. That's what I'm thinking, that big wagon. Yes. Saturday Night Hooker. Yes, I think that was on there. Yeah, if I could validate that, you know, and, and if, I could, if I could vet that idea, 
that's definitely a top five or two Saturday night hooker. I mean, because, you know, Jed, if you think about it, we usually, we race on, on Saturday night and if your car doesn't lose traction, you know, we, it hooks, ah. and, you know, in, ah. some, in some places of the world, um, you know, there, there are, you, you can, well, I don't know how much I want to get into it, but yeah, I mean, I see, it's like a play on words. Do you get it? Awesome. I get it now. It okay. makes so much sense. Good, good. Why didn't I have a strip teaser and a Saturday night hooker on my list? <laughs> that would have been, that would have got us run off the air. <laughs> my, uh, I got a few honorable mentions. I'll just breeze through these. The junk snatcher is a, a guy that owns a junkyard, got a Thunderbird <laughs> down here. Snatcher. Okay. Junk snatcher, yes. Uh, awesome people. Zookeeper was a car from the 80s at Holiday Raceway. It was like a Plymouth Valiant that the steering wheel came straight up out of the floor. You steered it like a like a bus or like a one of those little things you sit on and spin yourself around. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it was it was definitely it looked like it looked like it looked like you were the zookeeper. When it was, was like driving. my man was driving a teacup. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a sit and spin. Uh, droopy drawers, uh, and that's drawers like a like a like your yes, drawers yes. that you put your clothes in, but uh, Droopy Drawers was uh, a guy that, that raced here for many years, and it was just because he couldn't keep his pants up, Look, I mean, there was a little bit of butt crack showing pretty much all the time. It was not just a clever nickname. Yeah, I mean, he was he, he could have been, uh, you know, he, he could have uh, been sponsored by the, the, the medicine, you know, no acetal, um, but he, uh, <laughs> I mean, he just couldn't keep his pants up. Uh, Rodney Carr is his name. I love him. He's awesome dude, but, but he's just, I don't know. I don't know what it was. So, you know, I called him droop doggy dog and, and everybody just had <laughs> funny little play on words. And, uh, my, my, my cousin, uh, Rick, uh, my dad's, his uncle had the misery maker. Um, pretty much every race car I've ever owned should have been named the misery maker. So that's yeah, that's, that sounds appropriate. <laughs> yes. Really good name. And then, um, just a guy that, uh, that was, local here that had a like a 65 corvette just a beautiful car um raced it real hard never really did any good with it it was just called shag nasty and i put that in there because you know my, my dear friend kyle cycle is big nasty yes and anything with nasty in it on the side of a car i feel like deserves a mention when you're talking about car names so shag nasty uh, gets an honorable mention way down the line of course but gets an honorable mention that's shagnastic <laughs> yes it is <laughs> that was incredible um i loved it yes yes this is the content that i'm here for this is yes uh, yeah because i don't have to be smart or knowledgeable to talk <laughs> about this stuff and that's i like subjects that don't make me be smart I just like subjects that don't make me sound stupid. So yes, <laughs> kind of the same. <laughs> um, before we close it out, I I don't feel like it's uh, it, it's right to place this in the shoutouts. And as you might imagine, I think we've got a pretty epic list of uh, of shoutouts to close today's show. But um, I did want to let uh, AJ Ash know we're thinking of you as we're recording. Like news came this morning, uh, AJ had a, a highway incident, motorhome caught fire. Um, scary, scary stuff. If you've seen the, the pictures following, I, I did um, follow up with AJ uh, enough to know that he was able to get the Grand Am out. That was what he was more concerned with than anything. Obviously, he's fine. Uh, I'm sure as you're listening now, you've seen the pictures. Um, the, 
the, the rig, at the very least, the motorhome is a complete loss. I, I, I doubt that there is much salvageable in the trailer as well. I didn't get into, I don't know what happened or what caused it. Uh, I just wanted to let AJ know that we are thinking about him. If you've listened for a long time, you know that we have had some fun at AJ's expense at various times on the show. Um, for the most part, we were, we were laughing together. Right. And, and I don't think that that necessarily resonated with, with all of our audience. So if it didn't, I, I apologize. I, I, I pick at AJ because I love AJ. Um, and obviously, you know, I don't want to see anything like this happen to anybody. So I uh, just wanted to let him know, as we have personally, that, uh, hey, man, we're thinking about you as a community and, um, and, and hoping that uh, you're back on track and, and, and life not completely disrupted any more than it, than it already has been. Yeah, it looked real bad, Luke. Uh, I reached out to AJ as well, and, and uh, his response was short, as I can imagine what, what I was going through his uh, mind on his plate right now. But um, toter home style tow vehicle with a you know a gold rush, whatever, 30, 32-foot trailer behind it, and the, the, like a complete loss for the toter, and it got some of the trailer. Very glad he got the grand slam out, and it did not get any damage, um, and hopefully – uh, everything works out to, to get all that replaced and it doesn't cause uh, AJ any additional pain other than what we all can see. Um, so thoughts, prayers out for you, AJ, to, to get your racing rig replaced and get back at it soon. Um, and it's very ironic, Luke, that you, you talk about how we kind of got at AJ some here and there, but still one of the best lines. And it's crazy because you mentioned Archer. And and then we had you know we got AJ that we need to talk about for this unfortunate oh God. <laughs> one of the best lines ever, and it will remain one of the best lines ever. When Archer was mad, he was real mad, and he was at Atlanta Dragway, and you know that it was not known for its traction, and there was maybe a couple of challenges with that, and AJ was running to be an M Series, and Archer comes to the tower, raising Kane, and which by the way. Um, Archer's like a different guy now. He's like the most yes. mild, calmest person you've ever seen. He's awesome. I love it. But then he was a little volatile. He tells AJ after a little discussion, you can take this racetrack and this whole series and everybody here and shove them up your ass. I ain't trying to get us kicked off the air, but that's what was said. And AJ, just as calm as he could, looks at Archer and says, Archer, you really think I can fit all this in my head? <laughs> <laughs> now Archer completely blew a gasket. I mean, that's the last thing you want somebody to argue with you when you tell them that. Luke. And he was not going to argue with it. It was he, the ultimate comeback. He's like, "Do you really think I can do that? Do you think all that'll fit in there?" <laughs> and Archer come apart and blew out of the tower. And it was so quick and witty, and to this day, it'll remain one of the best responses and one-liners that that I've ever heard. So, again, thoughts and prayers out to you, AJ, uh, as I said in the text. And, and as uh, I'm sure Luke feels the same way, let us know if there's something we can do to help. I don't know what we can do, but if there's something we can do, let us know. And uh, for those of you listening, if you're called upon, please do all you can to help as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well said and, uh, and appreciate the story time there. That's, uh, I, I wasn't sure that that story would ever make it to the podcast, but I'm, I'm glad it did. I probably shouldn't have told it, but I love it seems so fitting. Yes, that, it's, that's AJ, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I don't know if there's uh, what's on tap. I know the Great American uh, uh, Dream Team 
and bracket race is happening this weekend. So uh, looking forward to uh, the next time we're together talking about the big dream team winner and the results from all these big races you talked about, Luke. It's going to be good to have some normalcy there on the, the podcast, but we got to figure out a way to keep these top five lists coming because I'm really digging them. Agreed. Agreed. I, I, I think this is going to be one of those things that we probably do like three months too long. Well, there'll come a point where everybody's just tired of it, but we're not there yet. And, and yeah, we're having way too much fun to stop. So we'll, we'll come up with something and we invite suggestions. If, if you yeah. had a good topic for a top five, this may come as a surprise. Uh, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a week, not if you've been listening to the show for a month or more, uh, we're not the most creative two people in the world. So we would love to hear your ideas. <laughs> I'm not creative at all. You come up with all these and then I just chime in. So I, I offer pretty much nothing to the show, but, uh, uh, you know, I am somebody just break up your voice from time to time. But nonetheless, guys, uh, that pretty much listen to the last segment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, stuff like that, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty decent at <laughs> that does wrap us up though. Uh, this one's coming to a close. Uh, we want to appreciate, say thank you and, and show appreciation for you guys listening this long. I know it's probably been painful, especially the parts where I talk, but, uh, most of all, we want to say uh, thank you to our great sponsors, especially the folks at the IHRA. Get out to those sportsman spectaculars. It is perfect style racing for what the racing atmosphere is uh, needing and wanting right now. So make sure you guys get out to those sportsman spectaculars and, uh, and show those uh, folks at the IHRA that they made great decisions on the race format and where they're having them. And, um, you know, certainly uh to uh, this is bracket racing elite as well uh, i know that uh, there's a message there from from you guys luke so y'all pay attention to that and uh, and support this is bracket racing elite now outside of that it is shout out time luke i don't know okay. what you got on the list but i'm ready i got some good shouts but t i gotta call timeout give me a give me a give me a give me an extended uh, you I'm got stretch, you've got so you got all your timeouts left so i want i want a full timeout here i, no I forgot all about this jed this is not up your alley at all but I got to throw it out there. It's trivia time. Uh, this was extended to me by our good friend, Austin Williams yesterday. It was a, it was a brain teaser for me. So I'm going to throw it out to you and for our listeners. So what I'll do, because I don't think it's fair to anyone to get this in real time, but I don't want to hold it till our next episode because to be completely honest, I'll forget. So listen to the question and then pause it. Okay. Until you think of as many as you can think of. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can do this in, in 10 seconds. Okay. So, Jed, as, uh, some of these are obvious. You'll get some, I think. Um, <clears throat> question is, only 11 drivers in NHRA history have won championships, world championships, in multiple categories, true sportsman categories. So from competition eliminator down through super gas. How many of the 11 can you name? Well, of course, the the top two names that come to your mind anytime you're talking about accomplishments on the racetrack is, is Peter Biondo and Scotty Richardson. Ding and ding, yes. Um, you know, I would say uh, I would say um, Jimmy DeFrank is probably one in both bottom bulb categories. <clears throat> okay. What? Uh, he's not won it in stock. He's got four Super Stock championships, and I believe he finished second one year in stock he's been close in stock but does not have a stock world championship that's your oh. first x i'll give you 
I don't know. I'll give you till you get tired of guessing. I'll give you at least three misses, maybe five. Well, I'm I'm definitely not uh, not good at this um, because now I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself, and I'm <laughs> I mean I'm I can't even come up with a name that's one in one category. I've, I've <laughs> we locking up. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's smoke coming out of me right now. I mean, Bobby Joe Pennington, as I've said, he, you know, I'm letting the smoke out, and this ain't good. I'm burned up. <laughs> so you're going to have to just help me. Just, just name them. Well, you okay. probably, you were probably great at this. I got it. I, I actually did not offer up an incorrect answer, but it took me a while. It was probably 20 minutes later, and I, and Austin gave me a couple hints to get the last one. Uh, I got eight, I get maybe perhaps nine, like right off the bat were relatively obvious. Jeff Strickland. Yes. <laughs> Alabama in the house. Yeah. Yes. Got that. Um, okay. Th there was there were two like fairly obvious given the, the nature of the discussion. One was the man asking the question and one was the man answering the question. So that's Austin and myself. Right. So, Scotty, Peter, Strickland, you'd said, uh, Justin Lamb, obviously did it in the same year. Uh, Dan Fletcher with national championships in Superstock, two in Superstock, I believe, and one in competition eliminator. Uh, you mentioned Scotty, Edmund Richardson, also a uh, national champion in both Supercomp, multi-time in Supercomp, I believe once in stock. Uh, you'd mentioned Peter, uh, David Rampey would be the other obvious one. Um, Supergas, Supergas, I think, Supercomp and competition eliminator. I think those are the three. I may be off there, but I, I think he did win super gas. I think in like eighty. Okay, if, yeah. if that's for sure, I I remember him winning super comp in mid nineties. So I'm I'm pretty sure he's got it in all three of those. Um, and you'd mentioned Strick. So those were the the nine that jumped to mind. The tenth really probably should be obvious in terms of he's a first ballot Hall of Famer that is still active and still dominant. Um, but a lot of people don't necessarily remember his stock eliminator world championship. I think that's where this all started for Jeff Taylor. Most oh. people know that he's, he's got several in super stock, um, but his first was in stock. So he's a multi-class champion. The 11th one was the, the tricky one. And this is where I, I needed a few hints. And I was actually able to come up with the name. I was proud of myself, um, but it was Mr. Mike Say who owns world championships, oh, wow. competition eliminator and super stock. So a little fun trivia time for you Friday. Yeah, that was good stuff. I, I never would have gotten that. And it's, it's some of the most recognizable names in racing. So it shows that I have zero business being on this show whatsoever. But um, I appreciate you letting me stick around for whatever reason. Yeah, it's, it's what you're used to, man. If we, had, if we had bracket racing trivia, I think you would fare much better. I'm usually, uh, mm. due to the lack of, uh, of record keeping in big dollar bracket racing, I kind of got you snowballed in the NHRA stuff pretty regularly. Yeah, I'd probably suck at that too. If you had like cheese fry trivia. I think I'd be good at that. Like Out of the park. Yeah, where you get good ones. But anyway, a good list, uh, good trivia, way to end the show, but it's not getting you out of shouts. All right. Close this out. Shouts to Bill Bader Jr. Shouts to Our Bad Habit and The Bad Habit. Shouts, obviously, to Conundrum epitomizes and gooder yes shouts to the wild thing and the wild thing shouts 
to well shouts to the yard dog first and foremost oh yeah what the yard dog made me think about because you were talking about going on down the alphabet in stock eliminator and when i think about going down the alphabet in stock eliminator i think of a good friend of yours and a good friend of mine and an r stock automatic station wagon shouts to bucks bob mulaney oh shouts to oh I, I had to write this i had to write this down in the moment i'm glad i did because i i, I would have forgotten it shouts to the little thing that you sit in and spin um <laughs> shouts, <laughs> shouts, do what it was called a sit and spin that's what it's called well, that's what you did Yes, I, I like the original explanation yeah. far better. Not Shouts to the the strips. <laughs> I can't even say it. Shouts to the strip teaser and the Saturday Night Hooker, um, and shouts to Drew Dog. You just joined us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> talking about race car names. <laughs> oh. and, and Droop Doggy Dog. And Droop Doggy Dog. Droop Doggy Dog. That's all I got. And. Uh, I'll I'll throw out a special shout to Shake City. I uh, hate to hate yes. to hear that about that devastation. It's such an iconic car known coast to coast. So, all right, guys, uh, tell us uh, your feedback. Uh, message us right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. Uh, tell us what we did right, what we did wrong, what you need more of, less of, or any of. But just tell us something. We need you to reach out and talk to us. We're we're getting lonely and need you. So. Message us there, or you can uh, tweet either Luke or myself right there on that Twitter. He is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. We appreciate you tuning in. Fun show for us. Hopefully it was for you. And I look forward to talking to you real soon about some more drag racing and some drag racers. Should be a good time. Shouts to AJ's ass. Hey, gang, Luke here with a few words about This is Bracket Racing Elite. I hope, if whether this is the first time that you've listened or if you've been a long-time listener here to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, I hope that you're familiar with thisisbracketracing.com. That is the website that I started 12-plus years ago in an effort to help racers just like you become the best version of yourself on the racetrack. Over that time, we've literally helped thousands of racers in that pursuit. Our premier membership community, this is Bracket Racing Elite, that is the, the cat daddy of what we have to offer on thisisbracketracing.com. It's been so popular and there has been so much demand that for the last several years, we only open the doors to our community. We only accept new members twice a year for just a week at a time. The reasoning for that, again, because the demand is so high and two, it's just due to our focus on delivering and creating, providing value for our membership. So for 50 weeks out of the year, that's all we focus on is providing value, providing insight, helping our members walk through the process of getting a little bit better every single day on the racetrack. The other two weeks a year, we focus on marketing. Well, this is one of those two weeks. Enrollment is now open starting Friday, May 29th, stretching through Saturday, June the 6th. So time is limited. Uh, we only do this twice a year. It's only for a week. I would strongly encourage you, if you feel like there is opportunity in your racing program to, to take the next step, however big or small that step may be, This is Bracket Racing Elite can help you get to where you want to be. 
Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Reasons to use BTE tune-up services. Number one, quick turnaround time. You won't be out of commission for half the season while you're waiting on your parts. Number two, unparalleled customer service and responsive communication. Reason number three, all brands of parts are accepted. It's not like they just work on BTE parts. Number four, BTE offers freight shipping discounts. They are located in the shipping capital of the United States near Memphis, Tennessee. And number five, reason to use BTE tune-up services. Quality work from knowledgeable technicians helps your system achieve peak performance. With racing starting to get back to normal or some sense of normal in many areas of the country, IHRA presents the opportunity to win big money and have a ton of fun at their Sportsman Spectacular. First, this weekend at Smokin' Mocan Dragway. It's Saturday, June the 6th. Super Pro pays $5,000 to win, while No Box offers a stout $2,000 winner's purse. Reasonable entry fees at $150 and $100, respectively. IHRA will be offering Ironman, IHRA Contingency, and uh, one to keep on the calendar as well, Next weekend, June 13th and 14th, IHRA will host a double Sportsman Spectacular up at Dragway 42 in West Salem, Ohio. $5,000 payouts in both top and modified, along with big checks, Ironman, Contingency, and the ever-popular golf cart race are just some of the exciting features of the Dragway 42 event. Visit IHRA.com for more details. Cause I'll be willing to bet that you want none If you want some, come and get some 500, let's lock it in on the next run Greedy for it, I'll roll it out Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action. Take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.